Please be seated. If you missed Pastor Carol's announcement at the beginning of the service, for those that were coming in a bit later, this is Founder Sunday. That means that Duke has not become Duke by itself. None of us or no institution is self-created. And so stretching all the way back from the founders, the original founders and the Duke family, all the way up to today, the current president is here and members of the Duke Endowment and university trustees are current founders. And so we want, this is a day where we give God thanks for the founding of this university and for all of those who continue to contribute to Duke to make it what it is. And so I invite you to put your hands together to give God thanks for the founders of Duke. This is Founders Sunday, and so a little bit of history. If you look on the front of your bulletin, there's a picture of a mailing card of Trinity College Library, and that library was created in 1887 when two literary societies combined their book collections with the few books that were already in place and owned by the school. So after Trinity College moved to Durham in 1892, the library occupied a large single room in the Washington Duke Building, which was the main building on campus at that time. In 1900, James B. Duke donated money to create a separate freestanding library building. Ground was broken in 1901, and the Trinity College Library Building, what you see on the bulletin, was completed in December 1902. James B. Duke's first financial gift to what became later to be known as Duke University in 1924 was a library. And it was the first time that he was directly connected to Trinity College. But there's more to this story of this library. When expansion and rebuilding plans for East Campus were made, the plans called for the demolition of the old library and some other buildings. So that particular building, along with other buildings, they were taken apart and reassembled at a historically black college, Crittrell College in Vance County, which was supported by the African American Episcopal Church, the AME Church. The reassembling of this library at Cottrell, as well as some of the other buildings, was made possible by a donation given by Benjamin Duke, thus renaming that library at Cottrell College the B.N. Duke Library. Now, what strikes me about this story in particular is that it occurred during the nadir of Jim Crow segregation in the South. But listen to John Hawkins, Cottrell College's fiscal agent, when he wrote to Robert Flowers in the late 1920s the then secretary-treasurer of Duke University. He said, we are to be congratulated on having fallen heirs to such splendid and valuable assets as are found in the material possessions already granted us. But more than this do we value the friendship 
and cooperation found in the very fine spirit which has prompted you in your unselfish and broad-minded service. The founders of this university exemplified a fine spirit that led them to this unselfish and broad-minded service. This building alone is a symbol of broad-minded generosity of the Duke's, of du of Duke's founders who laid a firm foundational uh, foundation for the future of the flourishing of this university. Deeply embedded in the DNA of Duke is what former President Few would frame as knowledge in service to humanity, especially those in need. The intellectual and spiritual genes of this university encourage service to others. And so throughout the years, there has been a long, long line of those who have founded and funded and served this school through their generous gifts, even at the chapel, exemplified by the list of endowments you see in your bulletin this morning. And so what we see at Duke is a history of generosity toward future generations. And in my role as dean of the chapel, I have been so blessed to observe this living spirit of giving. To be clear, the pastoral letter to Timothy doesn't warn against money, per se, but the love of money and the eagerness to be rich. Any leader will know that money funds mission. Duke couldn't fulfill its educational mission without money. The chapel couldn't fulfill its mission of bridging faith and, and learning by nurturing and embodying the intellectual, ethical, and spiritual life without money. But that doesn't mean we go around like Tom Cruise in the movie Jerry Maguire saying, show me the money. In ancient times, during the Roman Empire, the rich became rich often because they cooperated with the Roman Empire. And those who were rich usually supported a system that oppressed the majority of folks that only benefited a few at the center of the empire. And early Christians, if you know some of that history, opposed this and believed it uh, in more equal distribution of material resources as we see in the book of Acts. But at the same time, Wealthy individuals were also benefactors in early Christianity. The gospel writer Luke mentions that many women who accompanied Jesus and his 12 disciples, and I quote, provided for them out of their resources. Likewise, the apostle Paul drew on the financial support of benefactors for his travels and missionary activities. Material wealth isn't in question per se, but our attitude toward it. Money funds mission, and we have reaped the benefits of it here at Duke, clearly. But money isn't the goal. It shouldn't be the desire and eager drive of our hearts because there is another goal. The deep Methodist roots of Duke trace all the way back to John Wesley. And for him, money wasn't the goal. In his 1759 sermon, The Use of Money, he says this, Of the three rules which are laid down, 
you may find many that observe the first rule, namely, gain all you can. You may find a few that observe the second, save all you can. But how many have you found that observe the third rule, give all you can? Have you reason to believe that 500 of these are to be found among 50,000 Methodists? I mean, Wesley's own commitment to giving was consistent throughout his life. If you know anything about his life, as a student at Oxford, he lived on 28 pounds a year. And as his earnings increased to 30 pounds and then eventually 120 pounds annually, he continued to live on the same 28 pounds. He told people that if at his death he had more than 10 pounds in his possession, they could call him a robber. Why? According to Methodist Bishop Kenneth Carter, Wesley felt that anything we have that is unnecessary is extracted from the blood of the poor. I mean, Wesley's lip service matched his life service, and he was a man who developed a, a free health clinic and started a school, a sewing cooperative, and a lending agency for the poor. And so this deep Wesleyan sensibility flows throughout the history of Duke and its founders. Wesley challenges us all to ask ourselves this morning, what are we willing to do without? Wesley reveals that there is another goal, and it's not money. The goal is nothing. The goal is to achieve nothing. Nothing? I mean, this is a major global research one university, isn't it? Achieve nothing? This is why Wesley told people that at his death, if he had more than 10 pounds in his possession, they could call him a robber. The ultimate goal in the life of faith is nothing. The pastoral wisdom to Timothy makes it plain. We brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. We carry nothing in and we will carry nothing out. Nothing in and nothing out. The goal is not to have anything at the end, but to give everything, to leave this earth as we came with nothing. That's the goal because you aren't meant to have anything but to give it all away as we hear in this pastoral wisdom and Timothy to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. And by doing so, you set up a good foundation for the future, yours and others. When giving, you have nothing to hold because you let it go. And the only thing left is your life itself. When giving, you have nothing to hold but everything to share, nothing to really hold but life itself and what truly matters. The letter to Timothy is a call to a naked faith, one in which all is shared so that all we are left with is our life because we brought nothing into the world and will carry nothing out unless we are robbers. Nothing in and nothing out. 
The goal is nothing. And I'm always reminded by the words of Dr. King in a sermon, the three dimensions of a complete life, in which he asks this question, what are you doing for others? I mean, Duke students really understand this in so many ways. They live in the spirit of generosity that has been in the genes of this university from its founding. Many students realize what has been given to them in terms of financial aid and resources and networks and decide to give back to Duke. And so this giving keeps on giving. And one student from the class of 2017 put it like this. In my four years, I've taken many classes with distinguished professors, joined several clubs and a sorority, and attended hundreds of sporting events. But my story is less about what I did and more about what others did for me. Thanks to the generosity of Plato and Dixie Wilson, I was given an opportunity that most can only dream of, graduating college debt-free. The goal is to achieve nothing in which we possess nothing but are possessed by a spirit of generosity, like the Wilsons. And the Timothy passage begins with the reminder of nothing. We came into the world with nothing. We leave with nothing. But the near the latter part of it, it points to everything, actually. That is, that we strive for nothing because God richly provides us with everything. In achieving nothing, we receive everything. We give if we give everything, we still gain everything. For when we have nothing, we can focus on the one who is everything. God provides everything for our enjoyment, even this chapel which speaks of God at the center of campus. God is rich in generosity. God gave, and when we give, we participate in the life of God. And our giving is an act of trust in God's generosity toward us. You share your life and material means so that you can find the life God has for you and take a hold of the life that is really life. Life isn't the eager pursuit of riches, but the eternal pursuit of God. And when we pursue God, the highest achievement is nothing, because God is everything. At a university, to aim to achieve nothing is a little ironic, because in many ways, students, faculty, and staff were striving to pursue accolades and awards and notable achievements. But in the school of the Spirit, the goal is to achieve nothing in the end. The goal in life isn't accumulation, but dissemination. So that at the end of our life on earth, we have relinquished everything, including our lives, to a God who is everything and our all in all. And so when we share, actually it is an open gesture in which our hands are open to receive and we grab a hold of something else than what we've been holding on to. When we hoard, we are not open, we are closed, and we may think that we are the owners and everything is ours rather than stewards 
but being in a spiritual posture of sharing reveals that nothing is ours and everything is God's and that should put us in a open, receptive mode. You don't give in order to receive, but by giving, you do receive. If you remember the the words of prayer by St. Francis of Assisi, for it is in giving that we receive. When you share your material life, you grab a hold of the life that really is life, life in Jesus Christ, the founder of our faith. You find real life because you discover God, and you are no longer possessed by possessions, but embraced by the presence of a generous and gracious God. One poet put it this way, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. The sun keeps on giving just like the son of God. Generosity is an unselfish sign of God because God isn't a robber. Washington Duke James B. Duke, Benjamin Duke, former Duke President Daryl and Mrs. Hart, former President Terry and Mrs. Sanford, Chapel Dean James and Mrs. Cleland, and other luminaries buried in this very building are not saying, you owe me. But they and other founders of this university do have a message for us. And it is, remember, You carried nothing into the world, and you carry nothing out of it. Nothing in and nothing out. Trust us. Achieve nothing, and you will gain everything. Achieve nothing, because it is everything.